And now, a brand new episode of Script to Screen Spotlight with hosts Alan Mahana and Hod Solo. Welcome to Friday's Awesome Episodes. I'm so excited. It's Friday and a brand new episode of Script to Screen Spotlight. It is Friday, February 1st. How exciting. Um, And today's Spotlight episode is going to be a little special. We're going to be talking about none other than uh, the uh, um, beautiful collaborations or team-ups that Hollywood has been known to do, you know, a la Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, a la, um, a la, um, hey, solo to my Chewbacca, why don't you try and help me out here? I was waiting for you to call me. A la mode du new. No, but you've got a lot, a lot of like collaborations. So Burton, Danny Elfman. Yeah, uh, true, true, true. You've got. Uh, wow, why are we? Yeah, we're all of a sudden blanking. We're, but but, uh, but well, because we basically don't want to yeah, name the ones. Yeah, we don't want to spoil the ones that we already have. The, the ones we have. Uh, Christopher oh, Nolan has been known to to use recurring actors. Specifically, Michael Caine has actually appeared in the majority of of Nolan's films. Actually. That's true. That's, uh, yeah, he's, he's been Batman. In- the uh, you know Batman one, two, and th- you know uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Inception, Interstellar. But but not his earlier work, not Insomnia, not uh, no, I don't think so. Memento, no, he's not. Yeah, he's no. not in those. Uh, the Prestige. Yes. So I mean, enough. I mean, that's enough. Well, that's 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 quite good actually. Uh, and, and you have composers, and you have actors, and yeah, you have producers. Yeah. Spielberg and Lucas have worked together a number of times. A bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise have have. Teamed up yeah, uh, for, between, the, for the Mission Impossible movies. And they did Jack Reacher, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's before. true, that's true. They that's did true. the first one. The yeah, second one yeah. was directed by Edward uh, Zwick. Is this your hands? No, Zwick, <laughs> who did The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. So they've worked yeah. also a few times together. I said scissor hands. Yeah, I know. So okay, I know. all right, no. lame joke. No, that, Friday that was, lameness. That was not a good lame joke. Oh, Ow, sorry, that hurts. Sorry, sorry. Um, so yeah, uh, there is a legendary Hollywood team yeah. up though uh, that you wanted to share, kind of uh, as an uh, honorary, honorable, mem- uh, honorary honorable mention. mention. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's 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 a co- it's a collaboration which is interesting because it wasn't just limited to them working together. And it's a very old one. Okay, it's uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Ooh la la! So so they started out in 1942 and they did nine movies together. Wow, now, that's crazy. Yeah. Here's the funny part. Spencer Tracy was married, and he had a relationship for 25 years with Catherine Hepburn. Okay. And he never accepted to divorce his wife because he was a very devout Catholic. (gasps) But at the same time, he loved Catherine Hepburn. But he was a very devout Catholic. Yeah, which is kind of (laughs) contradictory. So so no no divorce, but we can play. And they they did a lot of movies. So so they did Woman of the Year in 1942. So they met before that movie and Uh on set kind of fell in love. A Keeper of the Frame, Without Love, Adam's Ribs, and so on until 1967, which is the year where Spencer Tracy passed away. They did the very famous Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful film. Yes. Uh, and, and when you watch this movie, 
it's a much older uh, Catherine Hepburn and uh, Spencer Tracy. And you do feel that they've grown up together. They, yeah, th- yeah. This is a couple. And uh, it's it's very beautiful. It's very touching. Of course. We, we, never, mean, we, we never found out about the relationship until... After, uh, after, after his wife's death. Oh, wow. So okay. Catherine Hepburn uh, actually admitted to that in 83, after his wife uh, had passed away. So th- th- there was, okay, yes, what they were doing was wrong, but there was a certain finesse yes. to what was happening. You know what? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. It's not just the finesse, though, but it, it kind of... Um if this was happening today, yeah. we would have known from day one. Oh, absolutely, with social we media would have and known paparazzi. From day one that this was happening, and it wouldn't, I mean, it would have ruined both of their lives and destroyed them and, and whatever, and... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if what we're trying to say here is that we're promoting no. affairs, which is what we're not doing. But I liked the separation, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and the you know, and I think that goes that goes without saying towards everything. Though I think social media just makes access to everything so easy, and um, the finesse is gone. Yeah, yeah, you know that that glamour, that magic is gone. True. Um, and, and at one point, and I do hope they do this in the future, there was talks about making a movie about oh, this. I'd love that. I think, I think Spielberg, if I'm not mistaken, I'd love was that attached. even more. Or Scorsese or Spielberg, one of them. I, I don't recall. Okay. But, but still, it is, a, it, it is a beautiful love story, uh, which was on screen and off screen. So I'd love for Aaron Sorkin to write the script. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm totally yeah, you're like starting into the to mood. imagine a I'm director starting. and who would play Spencer Tracy and who I, would play ooh, Catherine Hepburn. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't I, know. I, Catherine Hepburn, I would seem, I don't know, an Emily Bluntish kind of yeah, person. Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm, like, that's what I thought. Like, that's what you know, I thought. Him, um, Spencer Tracy would be, because uh, he was, he was quite a character. That's a toughie. He, but I could see, I could see Emily Blunt as Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, as we completely zone out now and ignore our screeners and try to come up with the Spencer Tracy Catherine Hepburn biopic. Wow. The, um, the musical. The no. Mu- no. <laughs> no. What? No. No. No, no, no. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, uh, that is so worth the movie. Yeah, though. yeah, it is worth the movie. It's, a, it's interesting because, okay, and they work together on nine movies. Yeah. So these people did make money at the box office at the time. They had certain star power. Uh, they came up with very classic films, which are which are known I mean, till Adam's today. Adam's Rib. Adam's Rib. And, uh, and, and again, you know, and for me, guess who's coming guess to dinner, who's is, coming is, to dinner yeah. is, is is such a subtle and beautiful love story yeah, and a beautiful yeah. movie. And with the, with these two older people who you would assume are open minded, but are they really when they are put to the test themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a fascinating Hollywood true story, uh, and about a partnership tonight on Hollywood true story. Hollywood all access screeners. <laughs> oh, okay, Hollywood team ups. Yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and start. I'll go ahead and pick this up. I'll, I'll start with yeah. mine first. Um. And it's. I think it's one of the most legendary Hollywood team ups of all time. Um. It is the team up between. John Williams and Steven Spielberg. Ooh. Um, I think they, uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, there are only three films that Spielberg has directed that John Williams has not composed. Okay. Only three. Wow. 
which is crazy. Um, their collaboration started in 1974. Um with, uh, I believe it was like the uh, Sugarland Express or mm -hmm. something along those lines um, that Spielberg was directing. And he had heard about John Williams and um, that's where their collaboration kind of sort of began. What I love about them is that I almost feel like they've become so, like for me, when I read that Williams hadn't composed three of Spielberg's films. I had to go back and like look at the film because in my mind, it's just like, kind of like default. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you got Spielberg, uh, you got Williams. Like it's just, that's the way it, it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Um, you know, from Jaws to mm -hmm. uh, E.T., uh, Hook, um, uh, you know, the BFG. Uh, I, oh wait, I think the BFG is actually one that Williams did not compose. I'm, I'm going to check if you want, uh, um, I know for a fact that he did not compose, uh, uh, Ready Player One was not, was not Williams. Um, was it Al Alan Sil Silvestri. It was Alan Silvestri. Um, so, but I, I just, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me because, okay, so uh, music is, is a big, big, big part of, of my life and I love listening to music scores specifically. Um, and there is just a magic to, uh, uh, the way Williams composes music and the way that he allows the music to not, um, overpower the film. No, he did do the BFG. Okay. He did compose the BFG. Um, he doesn't allow the music to overpower the film. I think he allows the music to hold the film's hand and walk together into the sunset. Like they are, they become two pieces of a puzzle. And for me, this is what a music composer should be. Um, not to mention that, uh, uh, again, just if you look at their history, you know, um, and I love that Williams is one of these composers that has not uh, uh, changed the way he composes his music. He still uses a full orchestra. He does not digitize anything. He is completely classical in his music. And when you think of Spielberg, you kind of sort of think of the same thing. Um, uh, you know, even with films like the, uh, Ready Player One or the BFG, where there was a lot of CGI, um, it's still very classical in its storytelling and the way that the film is is made. There is still like this childlike wonder in uh, Spielberg's movies, and I almost feel like there is a childlike wonder in Williams's music. I actually have a little um, a two minute audio clip here of Williams and Spielberg working together um, on ET. And uh, nice. so let's take a listen. So this is actually Williams playing the piano right now. If it would be convenient to go into the call. Yeah. I like that. It, it, it seems like a very natural transition yeah. into the loneliness and out of the, uh, the tenderness. Yeah. Yep. Let's see if we can do it. Okay. Let me go the back thing, the thing is, where do we shift from the call to the theme? Is it on his smile? Is it when he touches that's the a, face? That's, it could a, good be any, that's any a wonderful question, and your choices are as many frames long as the sequence. Okay. I wouldn't let anybody hurt you. We could grow together, you see? That's the, certainly the call. Yes, it? that's the call. 
That's the call. And this is the loneliness. This, this is Elliot's love. This is his heartbreaking. Does he look up again? He looks up a second time. But that, I, the, the call has to be there. Oh, yeah, it? I yeah. think you're right. Absolutely. Let's get that. Absolutely. I always get that confused. Sometimes. Sometimes. Does it ever go up once in the movie yet? It hasn't gone up yet, has it? At the end, I'll save it for the last reel. Up or down? Maybe once down. It could go down once and then go up. I mean, it's no. just magical hearing yeah. this. Like, it's such beautiful magic hearing this, um, you know, and seeing how their collaboration is. And But what I love is that, like, you know, they're, they're talking about things like, you know, this is his loneliness here. This is his, his heartbroken here. So they're talking emotion, you know. They're talking about the characters themselves and not just, hey, let's just put music here. And You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. more of a, again, this heartfelt kind of thing with their collaboration. <laughs> Collaboration. Collaboration. Um, so that's my my Hollywood team mm. up that I think uh, uh, deserves. By the way, I found the three movies. So it's as you said. Ready Player One. Mm, yep. Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. And The Color Purple by Quincy and, Jones. Okay, Color Purple. Bridge of Spies. Spielberg wanted Williams, but Williams was working on Star Wars exactly. at the time, and he could not he could not uh, 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 compose that film. Yep. So, yeah. But, but definitely, you cannot think of one without thinking of the other. And I think they both pushed each other uh, and excelled at, yes. at what they did. Yes, yes, So many iconic scores, you think. I mean, when you think of you Jurassic should, Park. Jurassic bro. Park, again, yes, when, yes, for when sure. When you think of uh, uh, Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, all these movies are very iconic. And, and Schindler's List, Munich. Fantastic. Just so, beautiful, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. What about you? My collaboration is, the first one, is actually a bit different. I'm going to be talking about, well, that's why we actually played uh, the uh, Shape of Water yes. uh, by Alexandre Desplat, And But it's not their collaboration. Uh, the, the collaboration I want to talk about is between Guillermo del Toro and Doug Jones. Yes. Now, I think a lot of people will not know who Doug Jones is. Unless you're well-versed in cinema. Uh, yeah, unless you, you, you enjoy movies and you're actually into actors and what they do. Depending on how much, you you know, you're into scaly yeah. actors. Into, yeah, but, but because, <laughs> because in the majority of his films with... Uh, Del Toro, Doug Jones, you, you never see him. You never, you never see, see his He's face. always in a costume. Yeah, he's always... Yeah. So, he was in The Shape of Water. He was the amphibian. Right. And that was finally after six movies and a series together where he gave him uh, the, the lead role, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the title role. Yeah. And what's interesting about Doug Jones himself is he is, he's a mime. Yes. Uh, at, yes. At, at first he studied miming and... Guillermo del Toro is a, a magician, a, a, a creator <laughs> really of wor worlds. He really is. He really uh, is. His genius, his crazy genius with this this man that can almost take any face or any shape or any form, that, that marriage together is just fantastic. Yeah, this is what makes me sad that he didn't end up directing um, uh, The Hobbit. 
uh, yes. movie. It makes me very sad because I feel like we could have had something, something. very different and something very magical yeah. uh, uh, at the same time. True, true. So they 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 met uh, doing a movie called Mimic in 97 where uh, Jones had a, the, the role of Long John. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen the movie, but I did see some pictures and it's also this kind of creature mutated insect kind of thing uh-huh. and they they kind of lost contact for 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 a long time until Guillermo del Toro was like kind of put on if you want the Hollywood map and did Hellboy and in yes. Hellboy he plays Ape Sapien which is also mm-hmm. kind of an amphibian character yeah. but with a very very high intellect and very smart uh-huh uh, and that's where their friendship really kicked off. And Have you heard of the theory that states yes. that Shape of Water is actually the origin story so, of uh, Abe, Abe Sapiens? Sapiens. <laughs> yeah, his, his, his father or yeah, yeah. His, yeah, his grandfather or something. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It, it wouldn't like, be impossible. It, it's not impossible. It would be quite cool, actually. And then they went and did Pan's Labyrinth, where he had two parts, the Pale Man and Fauno. Yeah. Yep. And then... Hellboy 2, mm-hmm. where he retook the role of Ape, Ape Sapien. So, so again, taking more and more kind of bigger roles uh-huh. and uh, characters. And Ape Sapien's part in the second one was a bit bigger, bigger than in the yeah, first one. For again. sure. Then they did Crimson Peak in 2015. He had two parts, which I haven't seen. Okay. And between I'm that... i think of like what parts he played in Crimson Peak. Probably uh, he some did, of the monsters. He, he, did, he, did, he did Edith's mother and Lady Sharp. I don't know who they are. Whoa! But those yeah, are, those are the, those are the, uh, the the ghosts. I think yeah. that that appear in the movie. Okay, okay. And then from 2014 to 2017, he was in a series uh, produced by uh, Del Toro called The Strain. He was the ancient. Yes, yes. Also heavy on makeup. Uh-huh. And finally, Shape of Water, the crowning moment for yeah. Doug Jones. And it, it it's it, sad to me that he's never been nominated. He's never been nominated. I, I think. Well, it's a double-edged sword, but. Walking on the streets, I don't think everyone would jump on him or like, can I have an autograph? Yeah, so, yeah, so he yeah. does have that Unless kind of you tranquility. Know what he looks like. Yeah. So probably if you throw him at Comic Con or something, you'll have people piling oh, up on him. Everybody would know yeah. Doug Jones at Comic Con. Uh, but again, again, Del Toro was able to create these these fantastic and phenomenal worlds, and Sapien was able to 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 bring life in. Those you mean Doug Jones? Doug Jones. What did it? you called him? Sapien. <laughs> sapien. Yeah. Well, well, well. In Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, so very interesting friendship. Very interesting collaboration. Yeah. I'm sure they'll do a few few more things together. For sure. Uh, so yeah. I can't wait for like to see what what uh, Del Toro comes up with next. Yes, because he, he is, needs to have like a follow up after after Shape of Water. Yeah, because he is someone who again. Creates worlds, and he is. Yeah, he I does. mean, if you haven't seen the Arcadia series on Netflix, this is just proof as to how yeah. much worlds he's he's creating. Yeah, he, uh, you know, okay, like the so Troll he, Hunter series, he, and now there's Tales of Arcadia. And, he's directed Hellboy, yes, but he also has done so much yeah. in terms of cinema. And these are we're just talking about collaborations with D- Doug Jones. Yes, yes. So on a personal level, he's Pacific Rim. Yes. Uh, so so he is a very very smart and talented director. Absolutely. Uh, on to the next uh, collaboration here or Hollywood team up. Um, I may not be a huge fan of his films, but that's not to say that he is not an excellent filmmaker. And he's offered us some of uh, some great, great, great films over the years. 
Sorry. Bless you. Uh, great, great films over the years, but he has collaborated with a Hollywood actor a lot. He's actually uh, uh, um, collaborated with this actor for five films already with three films on the way. Uh, which would mark them eight movies in total. Very nice. Um, and this Hollywood team-up that I'm talking about is none other than Martin Scorsese and the amazing Leonardo DiCaprio. They they, they rock. They do rock. No. They do rock. I love everything they've done together. Yes, by the yes. Way. Uh, you know, uh, The Departed, uh, Gangs of New York, The Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, The Aviator, all good movies. Cool. I think my least favorite one out of all of them is The Aviator, actually. Uh, I loved all the others a lot. Okay. Um, but so if, if I were to rank these movies just for fun and games, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably say Shutter Island, The Departed, Gangs of New York, Aviator, Wolf of Wall Street. The funny thing is my least favorite is Shutter Island. Is it really? Yeah. I love Shutter because, Island. You know what? I, I, unlike you, I really love Scorsese. For okay. me, it's his least Scorsese film. Uh, okay. Okay. Fair which enough. is Which makes sense for yeah. you to like it more than yeah. his other movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I, I could not stand The Wolf of Wall Street. Personally. I loved it. I could not, you know, like aside from the, mm, mm, that mm. moment, uh, the, you know, like, and the uh, act, I mean, the performances. I, I loved how, how absurd the movie is. It's just because all. Yeah, it's, but you it's, also loved it because Margot Robbie is in it. Well, sure, yeah. Anything she's in, I'm, I'm gonna love. <laughs> Let's be but, clear. But but her her side, I I I love the vibe of the movie. It was a fun movie. Uh, so over the top, which is I think it it, it yeah. goes on record for being the movie with the most it's, dropped f bombs. Yeah, most in, uh, fus. Yeah, and, yeah, and f f f f. Well, that's why f, I said f bombs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the movie with the, with the biggest with the biggest amount of f bombs, yeah. which I don't know if you want to have that as a status, but like whatever. Why not? Um, you know, look, again, like I said, their collaborations together have been uh, um, amazing. I love The Departed. So I don't. Maybe it's the the I don't know the Italiano in them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but these people when they meet, it's just like it's something. But but you know what else is interesting, by the way. Uh, so Scorsese also has worked a lot with Robert De Niro. They've yes. done like a lot of movies. Yes. And now they're gonna be, no, DiCaprio isn't in it. The, the Irishman. Irishman? Uh, I thought he was. Is he, is in he it? not? I will check. Check, please. As usual, I'm, I say <laughs> things without thinking. Yeah, check, please. Um, um uh, But it, it's funny that you mentioned this now because Scorsese discovered DiCaprio because of De Niro. Because they did a movie together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it comes full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, that is a very interesting, interesting collaboration. They work together. I have, a a, a little, another, uh, audio snippet here. This one's around two and a half minutes, um, uh, of DiCaprio talking about Scorsese. And this was during the press junket that they were doing for the Wolf of Wall Street. So, uh, let's take a listen here while Hod looks up the deets. He's not in it. He's not. Oh, okay. Strange. He's because he's in the new Scorsese film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tarantino film. Tarantino. Oh my God. All right. We're going to go listen to. I need to nap. We're going to listen to DiCaprio <laughs> talk about Scorsese right here. I, I think about Martin Scorsese. He's 71 years old. He's directing like he's 35. I mean, he's really uh, in the prime of his career, in my opinion, right now. I mean, a movie like this. With this level of energy, with this level of excitement, you don't really, really see from directors that age. Uh, what is it, Leo? You've worked with him five times. What is it? 
I mean, Emma, you know as well, the man lives and breathes cinema. And, you know, if I would answer that question in all honesty, I would say it's because he's such an immense fa fan of, of, of film and filmmakers. And I think that, you know, he always talks about him as this young man, you know, with asthma, with his father, watching film after film after film in a contained environment of the theater. And I, I think that ultimately, you know, the drive to try to do something as great as all these people that he's admired for, for decades and decades, and he looks at this as, as the great modern art form. He's always trying to achieve doing something as good as what they did. And his, his thirst is almost never quenched. He's constantly trying to challenge himself uh, and, and, and push the boundaries. He's, you know, the man is a dynamo. He's amazing. What I, what I love most about working with him is those things that just happen kind of accidentally. And we never really know what we're doing when we go. We, we prepare immensely for projects, but it's a, it's a discovery process with him. He's looking for something in the actors. He's looking for something in the environment that, that kind of speaks to him. And that ultimately shapes the course of what the plot and what, what the film is as a whole. He's... He's completely open to everything, and and uh, it's almost like most of the time, plot is irrelevant to him. He's trying to capture something in human behavior, and and it's always a new journey for him. He's, uh, I mean, he's Martin and Scorsese. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Funnily enough, he drops the f <laughs> he drops the f bomb in the middle of the Wolf of Wall Street yeah. uh, press junket. I guess it's a habit. Kind um, of thing, yeah. but but uh, you know what? It, I love what Leo says about Scorsese, that he's looking for something in the actors and that he's looking for something in the environment. And as an actor, it makes sense for you to want to come back and work with someone like Scorsese. Uh, if he's pushing you to, to new heights and new limits and offering you new challenges, it's not at all surprising that DiCaprio has, has three more films coming up. Yeah. Uh, with him. And the three films are uh, The Devil in the White City, Killers of the Flower Moon, and a Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt biopic. Interesting. Very so, yeah, it's uh, super cool. Super cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. What about you, Mr. Surprise Cheater? Surpri yeah, so I didn't tell you about the last one. No, you but, did but, not. But, but I started to think, I wanted to talk about Danny Elfman and, and Tim Burton. Right. But, but I didn't know what happened to me. I just wanted to talk about this group of people. So like a long, long, long time ago, not in a galaxy far away, you had the Rat Pack. The Rat Pack right. was Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. and so on. Right. And then a few years later, you had the Brat Pack, which was Emilio Estevez uh, and Charlie Sheen and company. I want to talk about another group of people, which are the Frat Pack. The Frat Pack is basically composed of Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Vince Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, Which okay. also have worked with other people along, like, the more time passed and the more people kind of joined. So you had John C. Riley, David uh, Kushner, Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, Leslie Mann, Jod Apatow, Adam McKay, Todd Phillips. So all these people kind of always intertwined within a specific set of, of movies and supported each other and helped each other. And... 
you, so, so, for example, when you look at in '96 when the Cable Guy came out, uh-huh. with Jim Carrey, who's Jim not, Ca- oh, yeah, who, yeah. who's not part of of the frat pack, but the movie was directed by Ben Stiller. Okay. And uh, in the movie, you have Ben Stiller, and he has uh, he he acts in it too. You have Owen Wilson, who has a small role. You have Jod Apatow, which is the producer of the movie, and Leslie Mann, who plays uh, Ben Stiller's girlfriend. Right. And so I love the dynamics of how these people started to do different things. And, you know, you come here and I get this guy and, and, and more and more roles and movies popped up because they helped each other, because they had kind of a support yeah. system and a support you know, group. It's kind of, it's very fascinating to see this kind of like hub of, yep. of uh, uh, you know, people within the industry helping each other and, and doing, you know, I think, I think this is what we lack here. Yeah. A support system. Yeah, there a support, isn't a support a trust system. system. It's really like, sad. It's giving, really sad. Giving someone Steve Carell's first big role was the 40-year-old virgin. Yes. And yes. and that, that was... I think that was the role that really launched him. Yeah. Did he do... The, the, he did that before The Office? I believe I believe it was before The Office. Ooh, okay. Let me do some fact you, checking. Your turn to, to, to double check. But again... Uh, you, you you look at the list and there's so many movies. There's The Wedding Crashers, which is kind of a classic comedy now, if you look at yeah, it, with, yeah. with uh, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Will, Will Ferrell has a small part in it, and just comedic humor genius to me, because I, I do kind of like that that kind of humor. And, uh-huh. then, and then you want to look at something a bit more serious, but you look at the Royal, the Royal Tenenbaums with, by, by yes. Wes Anderson. And yes. In it, yes. you have Ben Stiller, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson. So, so you see these names, which are always like kind of tied in together. Uh, Zoolander, the first one, let's not talk about the second one because no, no, that was no. a big, no, 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 no. But, but Zoolander was, it was directed also by, by Ben Stiller who, who stars in it. And you had Owen Wilson, right. Will Ferrell as Mugatu, uh, Vince Vaughn, or, or even go to Anchorman, directed by Adam McKay, who later joined that. With that fight scene with all the reporters, you had everyone in it. You had you you, you, you had uh, Ben Stiller, who's not in the movie. Vince Vaughn, who's not a, a big character in the movie, pops right, up. Right, And And the cast itself, Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Jack Black, uh, Ben Stiller, as I said earlier, Owen Wilson. So... Honestly, these are these are very fascinating people. They always come up with with fun movies with 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 to me a certain amount of heart, a certain amount of wit, and they kind of complete each other because yes. each one has a specific type of humor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Adam yeah, McKay, yeah. if you want, in terms of directing, has his style. Todd Phillips has his style. So it's all it's it's never similar with the end yeah. product that that exactly. you see. And again, that that never-ending support system of you know what, come do a small part in my movie. I'll do a small part in your movie. So yeah, so this is why I have so much. I I wanted to talk about. Yes, you this, know what? It's a different whole, kind of team up, but I think yeah. it's a team up that is so relevant. Yes, um, that is so needed nowadays. This this again, like we said, support system. Like I do this for you, you do this for me. I'll help you on this film, so you help me on my film later on, and I collaborate with you here, so that you collaborate yep. with me later. This is what we are lacking here, people. This is what younger generations of filmmakers in Lebanon need to absorb. And I'm not saying that it's not existent, mm-hmm. but 
It's um, small. It's, it's diluted. It's very, very small. It's very diluted. Um, look at us. Look at what you and I have yeah. on this show. And then our photographer friend helped us do our photos. Our graphic designer friend helped us do our logo. And we and so on, yeah. we talk about them online and we talk about them and we thank them. And, and if they ever need our help with something, we'll jump on and we'll offer our help. Completely, and yeah. That's, I mean, this is it, guys. This is how you get rid of toxicity. This is how you destroy toxicity. Um, by creating a, 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 a network, a, a, a support network, a support network Positive. strong enough to to block it. Um, Let me ask you a quick question before we move on to trivia. Uh huh. What is a collaboration you'd like to see happen that hasn't happened? Ooh. Um. Interesting. It can be a composer, director, actor. It's very interesting. Um. Huh. I would love to see. I would love to see. I got. You know what? I I would. I would love to see Emily Blunt starring in something uh, written by Aaron Sorkin. Okay. Yes. Yes. I think that's what I would love. I would love to see. yeah, that is a collaboration that I would love. That is a team I a team up I think that I would love because I I'm I've grown um, uh, in awe in so much awe of Emily Blunt uh, specifically in 2018. I yeah. think I think her performances across the wall were superb, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that she was snubbed at the Oscars that was something uh, we didn't mention last week. Yeah, um, but her snub at the Oscars really angers me. Mm-hmm. Um, because she is amazing. So yeah, I think I would love to see something mm. written by Aaron Sorkin being performed by, uh, the divine Ms. Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. I want to see, uh, and this is, I think an interesting, uh, duo, uh, Adam Driver and Scorsese. They've done one film together. Oh, yes. And I'd like yes. to see them push it a bit. They did Silence. Yes. Where he didn't have the biggest role. It was more Andrew Garfield. But I feel that these two... You know what I, 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 you know what I want in 2019? will unleash the beast that is Adam Driver. Yes. What I want in 2019 is just to see more Adam Driver. That's yeah. what I want. I mean, we're getting it in, in December. But I, I want to see him somewhere else. I, yeah. I, I loved him in Black Klansman. I have he yet was, to see that. He was, I need he to was see that. fun. He was. I need to see that. I love this guy. Seriously, like the more I see his movies, yeah, he's the more so I'm. so raw, man. He's so good. Yeah. And a couple of days ago, I was just flipping through the channels and I'm like three quarters through silence and oh, I watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's just physically, he is he's one so of those good. people yeah, that's, yeah, he's so good. that's dedicated. We were talking about Bale last week. I think he 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 has that capacity. Yeah, he can yes, if yes. given the right uh, chance. Yes, I mean, uh, um, I mean, I've seen a few episodes of Girls where he mm. basically really started showing up. Yeah. I mean, started being put on the map was because of Girls, and I've seen him in that. And it's complete. He's completely different. Like he's completely uh, someone else. Yeah. you know, it's it's brilliant. Absolutely. Trivia time. Real or fake? Are you ready? Sure. We, we should have put like a Western kind of. Uh, okay. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Number one. Number one. Jean Claude Van Damme was one of the initial people supposed to play the Terminator. 
Yeah, I, w- I would have to say this is real. It would not surprise me because during the time that the Terminator first came out, the t- that time period, Van Damme and-, and Schwarzenegger were almost like neck to neck in their action flicks. So I would, it doesn't sound that off. I think, I think it's pretty, pretty true. Nope. <laughs> really? You want to hear the? Wow. Fu- you want to? Okay. You, you want to hear who was very seriously considered? Sure. It was O.J. Simpson. As the Terminator? Yeah. Because he was a big football guy at the time. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was one of the front runners to play the Terminator. Cameron wanted him. He was one of the people. One of the choices. Oh man! And then he oh, would have oh, given a brand new layer to the. It would have been weird, but he would have given. He would have given. I'll be back. A completely yeah. different meaning. <laughs> he wouldn't be Austrian. Oh no. man. Um. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, uh, let's go for in the Wizard of Oz because we talked about it uh, a while back. Yes. And in The Wizard of Oz, Toto, the dog, mm-hmm. was paid more money than any of the Munchkin actors. I'm going to say this is real. It's real. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This hurts me so much. Oh, it, my it, gosh. Oh, I, my gosh. I, I, I could be wrong with the numbers, <laughs> but if I recall, I, I recall properly, he was paid $125 per week. Whereas a munchkin was paid $50 per week. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This is so, it's so, oh, man. You're talking about human, you're talking about women and men equality. Seriously, a dog was paid more than a human being. That's just. Oh, okay. All right. That was, okay. All right, moving on. Sure. There's a surprise R2-D2 and C-3PO cameo in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And C-3PO and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'll say yes. 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 There are a lot of Star Wars references in the the Indiana Jones world. Actually, there's a big running, I think it's a Reddit, where that basically states that E.T., Star Wars, and Indiana Jones all happen in the same universe. And this is because E.T. shows up in Star Wars and Star Wars shows yeah. up in uh, Indiana Jones. And I believe there's something linking E.T. and Indiana Jones together, if I'm not mistaken. Well, maybe the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Maybe. With or aliens some, at the yeah, end. maybe or something. I have no idea. But I think, uh, you know. Yeah, but th- but there's a scene uh, where he's, uh, Indy is looking at some sort of wall and there are hieroglyphics. And if you look closely, you'll see a small C-3PO and R2-D2 hieroglyphic. And then you see it again in Temple of Doom, uh-huh. where at the beginning they go to a club called Club Obi-Wan. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that was a, a nod to that. And I have one final um, trivia, fake or real. A final one. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. The final one is in the, in the opening scene of uh, The Godfather, Brando holds a cat. Originally, he was supposed to be holding a dog. Well, okay, say that one more time. In The Godfather, uh-huh. the opening scene, uh-huh. originally Marlon Brando is holding a cat, playing with the cat, petting it. Yes. He was supposed to be petting a small dog. Um, 
No, I'll say that's fake. Well played. All right. What really happened, though, which is interesting, is that there wasn't supposed to be a cat or a dog or anything. And oh, okay. so on set, Brando finds this cat and starts petting it. Okay. And incorporated him in the scene. And they were afraid that the cat would make too much noise and like kind of cover Brando's voice because it wasn't very right, high. Right, right. But it all worked out well. And that cat is randomly part of one of the greatest trilogies uh, mafia yeah, it's films like ever. And it was just the like the most yeah, iconic oh, image. Yeah, bring the cat up, put the cat, make an African refuse. And then he cuts the horse's head. But yeah, okay, so yeah. Interesting. Okay, so here is the um, here is the the the, the Reddit uh, uh, linking. Theory. Yeah. The, okay. So um, uh, uh, it starts off. Okay. So this is uh, I'm trying to find the name of the redditor that did this, but uh, I can't seem to. Anyway. So here we go. Um, so this is the timeline. So he says, on Earth, 1936 China, Indiana Jones meets Lao Che in Club Obi-Wan. Yes. 1938 Egypt, Indiana Jones passes hieroglyphics depicting mm -hmm. R2-D2 and C-3PO. 1982 America, uh, young Elliot befriends stranded alien E.T. and shows him action figures of Lando and Greedo. Ah, Okay. The Star Wars, uh, uh, Star Wars as a story exists on Earth as a story. But then on Halloween, E.T. sees a boy dressed as Yoda and recognizes him. So mm -hmm. not only is Star Wars a story on Earth, but it's now confirmed as a true story. <laughs> we can see the story was laid out on the walls of the tombs and pyramids thousands of years ago. This story eventually moved across the, uh, the Asiatic continent, inspired legends and myths of lone samurai types defeating an empire, translating itself into lifestyles of the Orient, and eventually Club Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. Its universal heroes made their way into cultural consciousness, eventually resulting in an epic film series depicting these ancient characters ripping the story and images directly from the walls of the now well-investigated tombs. So then how did this story get here? The pyramids of the East and West were mysteriously built around the same time period by cre cultures on an, uh, an ocean apart. It's long been theorized that there were some of the... Ex um, that there was some sort of extraterrestrial intervention. This is confirmed by the presence of the aliens in Crystal Skull. They're shipped buried underneath a pyramid in Central America. Given these diegetic clues, I think it's completely reasonable to assume that the Crystal Skull aliens brought us this story, immortalizing it on the walls of the structures they helped us to build. Their gift was knowledge, knowledge of the Star Wars. Boom! Some people have too much free time on their hands. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it do, I mean, it works. I mean... It, it makes a certain sense, It yes. makes a certain weird, convoluted, black holy sense. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. All righty. On that note, we are going to start signing off here. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so at Alan Mahana on Instagram and Twitter for me and... And I'm only on uh, Instagram, had.solo. If you want to listen to our show, make sure you do so on the one and only Radio Public. If you want to listen to us streaming-wise after the show airs here on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM, uh, make sure you listen to us on Radio Public to help support the show. You can also... You can leave us a message on Anchor if you mm -hmm. want. You can... Voice message. Voice message. You can DM us about... 
anything you want, your favorite movie. We, we want to hear about what your favorite movie is, why, or or anything related to cinema, something that moved you, something that touched you. Uh, your love. Why do you love cinema? Why do you love movies? Tell us. And again, if you see one of our reviews or anything we say and you want to comment. As long as it's not bring, toxic. Yeah, yeah. Like, be part of the conversation. Please do. We would love to hear that. Right. Amen to that. We are slowly working uh, towards uh, setting up our brand new website here. Uh, we released a logo last week uh, and earlier this week, um, our, our brand new logo. We're working on the brand new website. Uh, it's a lot of logistics, uh, but we want to make sure to keep you guys updated about that as well. So... So tomorrow we have a cool score episode? Yes, tomorrow we are we are going to be releasing a score episode. We're not going to have a uh, um, a news hour episode uh, next. Uh, I mean, sorry, tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, we're not going to have a news hour tomorrow. We are going to have a marvelous yes score. Uh, we'll tease that and we'll leave that as it is. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for at, at that three. At 3 p.m., exactly. Live on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM. Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, screeners, you are the best. Seriously, we love you. Have a great day. And always watch movies and have conversations about them in the least toxic way possible. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.